Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Brudek Podcast. I am your host today, Toby Tucker, and uh, I am with a solid crew. We've got a full house today. Grant Lawrence, who who's on with us most every episode. How you doing, Grant? I'm doing great. Heather Jarrett, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Toby. And Cheyenne Weissar. No? Yes? Yes, absolutely. You nailed it. <laughs> and uh, those three are solid sales folks over at Country Mall Group and participants and uh, helping us put together these awesome podcasts. So great to have you all on. And for the group, today's Tuesday. And for those that subscribe to the Rudek podcast, this is a little bit uh, different day that we're releasing these. So, but now we're going to, we're going to move, move forward on Tuesdays. So uh, we're not bailing on anybody. We're still around. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I feel like I miss this group. It's, it's good to be back. Yes. Good to have you back, Toby. We missed you. Thank you. <laughs> so one quick thing to the Euro pills. It launched. It did. And I'm, yeah, this is uh, it's been a long time coming. It's uh, it's a great. You you actually did some uh, brewing at home with this and it, it, it is brand new as of what uh, this past week or two. Yeah. Nice. Well, it is uh, available now in, in limited quantities in select uh, CMG DCs. And it's pretty cool because the uh, it's it's got like a malt analysis targeted at uh, reducing modification and really uh, beefing up extract. Um, and it's it still produces this wonderful, bready, you know, high mouthfeel character. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, Grant, this, you shared a picture of the uh, the homebrew that you did here recently, and the, just the head on that looks unreal. It, it really is. Yeah, like, you know, it's... Uh, it, I would describe it like meringue, you know, if you like, if you're familiar with meringue, like on a pie or, I mean, just really this dense, rocky white head that, that stays around and, you know, not, not that other malts don't have as good a head retention, but like this one is just stand out, stands out to me really, you know, I think Canada malting team nailed it. So it's a lot like uh, an imported pills malt from Germany or um, somewhere else in Europe. I mean, uses imported barley and, and kind of targets the same specs that just malted here in North America. Yeah. It looks like some great stuff. We're excited to have it. So uh, for, for the listeners out there, if you're interested in, in, in taking a peek at it and learn a little bit more, just uh, re- reach out to us or your, your sales reps and we'll be happy to get that info in your hands. I'd say it's pretty crazy how fast it's moving, you know, like down here where I'm at, like I, I didn't get as much as some of the other warehouses because I'm pretty far West, but uh gosh, in this one week, it's just like, it's flowing. So it's, it's impressive. We're going to need to malt another batch real soon. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, excited for today because we have a couple of guests on to talk about the topic of the day, which is the veterans blend through YCH and, and they do it every year. And we're, we're excited to have a uh, brief on uh, with YCH here, as well as Chelsea Simone, who's with uh, Hunter seven. Welcome y'all. Thank you so much. Hello. So, yeah, really excited to, to have you all on to talk about this year's veteran blend. And as we talk and, and for the listeners that want to uh, have a little bit uh, more information or for the pre-order form, uh, we're going to provide a link in the episode um, 
you can contact your sales rep um, or the pre-order form uh, through CMG. So happy to talk about it in the, the, the varieties that are in this year's blend. I'm looking at them now. HBC 586, Equinot, Triumph, Idaho 7, and Chinook. Just a really kick line up there. That's a really nice blend. Yeah, like looking at a lot, a lot of berry, bubblegum, stone fruit. It looks wonderful. Really does. So let's start to, let's start with Bree. Tell us a little bit about what you do and kind of how you got started in the industry and specifically there at uh, Yakima Chief. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Toby. Uh, yeah, I'm Bree Vaughn. I am our inside sales division lead at Yakima Chief. Um, so with that title, um, what I do is I have a team of seven based in Yakima, Washington. Um, we're called, as you might guess, the inside sales team, uh, really focus on uh, customer orders, customer interaction, um, helping out with accounts and day-to-day type things. And along with that, we work in collaboration with our outside sales team of really having like that full round experience um, for our customers throughout North America, Canada, and um, actually worldwide. So um, what I do is I assist the team. Um, Another thing I do is work directly with um, our director of North American sales and just overall sales strategies and um, assisting the teams with their day-to-day goals and tasks. So Bree, can you tell us a little bit about how the Veterans Blend got started? How, how long have, have y'all been doing it? And uh, a little bit of history on it. Yeah, totally. So we've had the Veterans Blend going on since 2018. Um, and the really neat thing about this community blend that we have is it was employee initiated. Um, we had some YCH employees that were, that are veterans themselves. And um, it was initiated by them, just an idea that was brought up one time and um, in collaboration with other brewers that are veterans as well. And this is something that YCH really supported that group with and it just kind of took off. So um, 2018 was the launch year and throughout the years, it's just been kind of organically growing. Um, It's a very like grassroots program that we have. And um, it it started out with just a handful of veteran-owned breweries. And every year, um, more and more breweries are getting involved. And they don't necessarily need to be only veteran-owned breweries. Um, We're really encouraging, you know, like veteran brewers or veteran employees at breweries to get involved as well. And so um, it yeah, it's just been growing. And every year um, we we change what um, what nonprofits we're working with. So, for example, last year we worked with Canines for Warriors. And as we all know, listening to this podcast um, this year, we're working with the Hunter Seven Foundation, which is why we have Chelsea here with us. Yeah. Awesome. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? Great. Great. I think it's a great time for, for you to tell us a little bit about um, Hunter 7. Of course. What you do there and how that got started. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, Yakima Chief for, for choosing us. Um, we're a small organization and, and actually around the same time they began their veterans blend, we were kind of formed. So at the end of 2018, um, 
we decided that we were going to give it the old college try and form a nonprofit. And uh, as a nurse, <laughs> it's a lot different than uh, nursing. So it was a um, kind of like a, a learning curve as we we went with it. But um, it it blew up. So Hunter Seven was founded based off of my husband's uh, sergeant major who passed away from a rare form of bile duct cancer called uh, colioangiocarcinoma. And myself and my husband, we both served. He served uh, eight years. I served 10. And um, his sergeant major was 44 years old when he passed away. And so my husband told me this and he said, you know, a lot of my friends died in Iraq. And I said, well, you know, unfortunately, that's that's combat. That's war. And he said, well, yeah, but most of them died when they got home. And so, you know, the the typical belief is that suicide's a huge problem in the veteran community. And and it's definitely a problem, but it doesn't claim as many lives as cancer. And so when he said to me, they died from these rare cancers at young ages, you know, 24, 36, 44. and, And when he said to me, you know, half of my platoon has passed away in a platoon of 19 guys, I, I, my heart sank. And I said, well, why? And he said, I don't know. And that was kind of the initiative. So being in the medical field, I jumped online and I, I kind of did a, a literature review of the data and current studies out there and there were none. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, this is the problem and there's no research on it. So we were founded as a research organization. And so we publish internationally. Um, we're one of the few organizations that are nonprofits that do that. But then we realized without the research, there's no education. Without the education, these providers that are caring for these veterans have have no insight of what to do or where to go or how to care for them. So that's kind of what happened. We decided, okay, we're going to educate people too, because that's one of the biggest problems we see is misdiagnosis, lack of diagnosis um, in the healthcare community. So once we started doing that and, and we got on social media, we saw the need was immaculate and the immediate needs program was created based off of that. So we uh, we do a lot of immediate needs care. So second opinions, cancer screenings, um, being that we're medical providers, we have the capability to do a lot of those things um, you know, behind the scenes and in the, the nonprofit pays for them. So that's a lot of what we do because we want to identify risk factors early on and, and save as many lives as possible. So you know, research, education, and immediate need support. That's in summary <laughs> what we do. It's an important cause. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to hear that they that there was no no real studies into the, into that at all. Um what what kind of I mean, due to some of your research, like what kind of like exposures are we talking about here? So a lot of people and this is it drives me up the wall. And I say this as a veteran and as a healthcare provider. A lot of people see mainstream news media covering burn pits. And of course, burn pits, it's not great to breathe in burning trash by any means. But those pictures aren't an accurate description of what actually goes on at war. And so the things you don't think about because you're in a combat zone is, is you know, the uh, IEDs. IEDs are, are full of chemicals and leads and all that stuff. And so, you know, the airborne hazards, the sandstorms alone are extremely toxic, um, you know, depleted uranium. And it's not just in combat. That's the most concerning thing. So it's it's stateside, too. You know, you look at Pearl Harbor, uh, Hawaii, you know, the the water is full of uh, jet fuel. <laughs> so, I mean, that right there is a known carcinogen. It causes leukemias, lymphomas. So, 
everything can be toxic, but not everything. If you're exposed, you, you won't necessarily get cancer, but there's always a chance. And so what's unique about veterans is that our service members is that when you're deployed, your body is chronically stressed. So your sleep is terrible. Your, your diet's poor. You're drinking a ton of energy drinks. Um, you know, you're stressed out about your family back home and your safety. And so your cortisol increases your body kind of has this thing called, um, you know, it, it, you, you have chronic inflammation. And then once those two things happen, your immune system tanks. So it's like the perfect storm for an exposure to take effect, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I had kind of heard that before, but you know, a lot of this is news to me The the jet fuel thing. I mean, yeah, I'm, I am thinking about these, these burn pits now and, and breathing that in and how, yeah, how, how carcinogenic that could be. Yeah. I just, I never put two and two together. So I, you know, it sounds like a, sounds like a kind of a tragedy, really the way it works out that way. It is. But the thing is, you know, I, I was talking to a medal of honor recipient, Ron Schuer, before he passed away and Ron was misdiagnosed for over a year. He was a green beret in the army, um, medal of honor, young guy in his, in his uh, mid thirties. And he was misdiagnosed as having musculoskeletal pain and come to find out it was actually metastatic lung cancer that traveled to his hip. So with him, when I said to him, Ron, if you could go back and do anything different, would you change knowing what you know now? And he said, absolutely not. I love serving my country. And that's, that's the thing, you know, we know there's a risk, no matter what your job is, just like firefighters, you know, they're running into a burning building, you know, the risk factors and, and it's, it's kind of that selfless service thing, you know, knowing what I know now, you know, I, I broke my back in the military and, and knowing what I know now, would I do it all over again? Absolutely. I loved serving my country. And, and, you know, a lot of these veterans, they don't want to be seen as victims. And so that's a lot of what we do. We enable them to kind of take control of their own health. Right on. Gosh, thank you so much for your service and for, for everybody out there. It's, yeah, it's get, I'm getting choked up over here. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of, uh, the amount of folks that are out there supporting our country and, and putting their lives at, at danger and they want to be out there and do it. It's, uh, it's good to know we live in a country that, that, uh, people absolutely support and, and want to get out there and, and fight for the freedoms that I have every day and, and that I, you know, don't have to worry about. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thanks Chelsea. That, that story, hearing your story, like never gets old. Um, not to like sidetrack, but Chelsea and I first met at CBC, um, which I'll talk about in a minute, but, um, hearing your story there really hit home and really tugs at the heartstrings and hearing it again, um, same response. So I'm going to reciprocate what the guys are saying and thanks for what you do and your service. And um, I'm happy that we have this relationship. How was this year's veterans blend chosen and how does it typically work every year? Um, yeah. Okay. So this year, how we chose this year's blend. Um, I'm just going to kind of jump through the process if that's okay. And just give you some insight and we can go from there. Sure. Sure thing. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so this is, I mean, you could say it's almost a, a year round process. Um, 
it seems like once we choose the blend and get it out in the world, um, we're starting back up again on the, the next year's blend. So um, everything begins in February. And this is when we um, we have a veterans blend team here at YCH um, that is composed of um, people throughout different departments. So there's myself and um, our Southeast Regional Sales Manager, Jonathan Sykes, who represent the sales team. Um, we also have a couple of people from marketing, uh, production and also our planning team as well. And then also including our veteran employees who aren't necessarily on any of those teams, but we still like to loop them in in the process and making sure that we're getting their voice involved as well. And so we start in February and we go through our list of varieties and availability and just determine from there what varieties have characteristics that could really lend themselves to an amazing blend for the year. So we go through that list, um, handpick, you know, I think it's, I mean, anywhere from like 15 to 20 different varieties that we then um, send out a list to um, veteran breweries, um, veteran employees at breweries that are going to be involved with this voting process. And um, one thing that I kind of wanted to speak on here is, you know, in years past, and I don't know if I can say the C word, but before COVID times, um, this was a process that just the entire thing happened at CBC. We brought in all these varieties, had people come into person, smell them all. It was like a whole day process. And um, once 2020 hit, we really had to pivot and move into, as you could probably guess, an all virtual model. And that's where we sent out these different varieties to every brewery that is participating. And I believe that year it was like a little over 10 breweries. Um, we virtually went through a selection of the varieties, um, building out the blend and all of that. And it, it went great. It was actually our very first like virtual selection type program. And based from that, we actually were able to use that type of program with other community blends like our Pink Boots blend and also our selection program. Um, so with that being said, um, this year we actually took that approach plus what we've done in the past. And we now have a hybrid model where we are still milling out the selected varieties, handful of varieties to breweries that sign up to choose um, what are gonna go into the blend. So this year we mailed out 20 um, kits to different breweries throughout all North America. And from there, um, the breweries get their kits and we have a set date where we all come together and vote on what varieties we want to um, mix up and include in the three final blends that we'll vote on. And um, some fun facts, um, every, every year, so what, five years, um, Equinot has been in the blend, ended up in the blend in the last four out of five years. And then also Idaho 7 has ended up in the blend in the last three of the five years. Um, so those are the only two consistent varieties that have always shown up in these blends, which is kind of fun. And I'm just going to say it, um, Idaho 7 is my personal favorite hop. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I lean towards that pineapple aroma and smell. It, it's a rock star. <laughs> it, it seems to like the popularity of Idaho 7 is just like blown up, um, you know, anybody who smells it or brews with it. It's like, once you try it, you know, you just want to keep using it for sure. 
Oh, Grant, yeah. I think I think uh, I've heard you talk about Idaho Seven a lot. It's yeah, one of our past podcasts. It's one of my favorites as well. Like, if not one of my favorite hops right now, it's just uh, it is a rock star. Like like Bree said, uh, okay. I, the other thing that's really interesting to me about this blend is the Equinot in it because I feel like there's so many brewers that have a bad. Um, image or like a bad thought of Equinot in their head. And then when you do the, like these, um, you know, the rubbing and sniffing, the typical hop selection stuff out of these, you know, core samples from the bales. Um, it's just funny that like Equinot will get chosen as like, you know, awesome. And then you'll find out it's Equinot. It's just, it's like, um, I don't know. I just wish people would give Equinot more, more love. It deserves some more love in the, in the brew world. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it definitely flies under the radar. And like you said, um, people get really surprised by it and myself included. So um, it, it's they're they're two very fun, unique um, and growing varieties. So can you tell us a little bit about the like the only one on here that I'm not familiar with is the 586, the experimental one, um, I guess, easily confused with 582. Right. But my understanding is 586 is real big on the mango. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the experimental varieties. So, um, yeah, heavy on the mango and it's not necessarily, um, with all of our experimentals, you know, it's, they're not necessarily guaranteed to always be around, but, um, such as 586, it's one that's really growing and starting to get that popularity. And also, um, kind of one of the reasons we wanted to, throw it in this blend. So like I was saying, we YCH didn't necessarily pick it to be in the blend itself. That's what our veteran brewers um, voted on, but something that we really want to push out there and um, really show it, its great characteristics and in, in usage in blends and in brews as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so once we get the feedback from those uh, 20 breweries, um, our, our planning team and our sensory team as well, take that feedback with all the different varieties. And from there, they strategically kind of build out uh, three different blends for us to make a final vote on. And so with them creating these blends, it's, it's a breakout of certain percentages of the varieties um, within each one to showcase different characteristics or um, different ways that all these varieties can shine within the, the blend themselves. And so once we have those final three unique different blends, um, those are kind of created and set up in April. Um, that's when the fun part, well, I mean, it's all fun, but that's when the exciting part begins. Um, so this year, as we all know, um, CBC, the Craft Brewers Conference was back. We were in Minneapolis. Um, it's a great time. And that's where we did our final vote for the veterans blend and um, Chelsea and her husband joined us as well. Awesome. And so we, we invite, um, you know, of course, all the breweries that were involved with the first round of voting and blend creation, but we even just kind of organically invite um, brewers as well, who are at the craft brewers conference, um, bringing up the discussion of the blend and, you know, asking if they're veterans themselves. And if so, we're, we tell them to stop on by make their final vote count. And that is where we officially announce and launch the blend for this year. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, as we were speaking in there, I thought, thinking to myself, you know, I was thinking maybe Chelsea thinks we're gonna we're speaking in a foreign language about all these hops. But it's, it's awesome that uh, that y'all were involved. That that's cool. And I'm assuming y'all are craft beer fans, Chelsea. So, <laughs> I 
I'll be total. I'm I'm a whiskey person. I like whiskey and tequila. Okay, we all do. You like that too. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) It's like I I I don't I like uh you know I'm from Boston originally, so like you know we're very fast paced. You know, like our our driving skills are terrible. Tons of traffic, so you know (laughs) hammer it down and and go from there. But um, I did have the opportunity to try some some craft beer, and I was mind blown. I I did terrible in chemistry. So, so for me, like going there and seeing the process, I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, like I want to create stuff, but then again, like, you know, again, I'm terrible at chemistry, so it would probably be terrible. But ironically, every place in the country, I've been to a lot of amazing places and in my office, my work office, I have craft beers from across the country that are full. They're full. I didn't drink them. And so Death Valley, Pale Ale, all these different, um, you know, like all these different breweries from, you know, whether it's uh, Harpoon and the Dunkin' Donuts coffee or <laughs> veteran-owned breweries like Tactical Brewing, Faw Brewing. It's it's pretty cool. So I have about 150 beer cans on the on the top of my um, my office. So that's awesome. <laughs> That is awesome. What did you what did you think about CB? Sorry, Grant. (laughs) What did you think about CBC, Chelsea? I was like I said, I was mind blown. I was like, this is a lot of this is a lot. I didn't realize how much I mean, I of course time and effort, but I mean, like when I think about brewing, I think about like moonshine because that's just you know I'm very (laughs) (laughs) efficiency. And all this stuff and to try all these different things and to smell the hops like i was i was mind blown and i mean that's really hard for me because i've seen a lot of things and i've done a lot of things but like i was mind blown and so when when the the team bought uh, brought us out there just to experience that and and their passion i'm a very passionate person so to see their passion and kind of thrive off that it was it was a great experience i mean i can't thank them enough it was that was my first time in minneapolis and um Minneapolis is an interesting place, but I had a really fun time at CBC. It was, um, I was, I was just so intrigued (laughs) with the science, especially. (laughs) It's like a sensory overload going there. It was my first one this past year. And I was like, wow, I've heard about it. I had no idea. (laughs) Yep. It was good. It was definitely good to get back. But so working in the beer industry, and I'm sure everybody would agree here to craft beer. We, We love craft beer, but, but you know, sometimes we want something else. So it's all good. I like whiskey. I like really, I like any adult beverage put in front of me pretty much. (laughs) Right. Well, it's like, I want to, I want to, I asked, um, I have some friends over at backwards flag brewing, who is one of the the veteran owned, um, uh, groups and then tactical brewing. And I said, Hey, listen, I want to come down and like blend something with you guys. Like, I just want to (laughs) watch, you know, I was like, can we make like a coffee blend like because I love drinking coffee and I also love drinking beer so can we do both and they're like you're crazy let's do it and I was like all right <laughs> I think we need to get Chelsea like a whiskey barrel aged stout yeah with coffee in it with coffee stout yeah we I can find you one that. I will I would love that that would be because I love all those things so <laughs> it's a perfect combo it's a perfect combo coffee's my favorite adjunct by far I think it just blends so well with a with a beer that uses a bunch of roasted malts just perfect and see that's that's what blows my mind like i, I want to know how it happens like do y'all throw a bunch of coffee beans in there or how did like that this is what i want to see I want to <laughs> there's there's different ways but yeah like it, you know brie probably knows about dry hopping is kind of a technique where you just put hops in the fermenter so in the cold side and i would say most people just do like dry dry coffeeing if you will is the way they add it in jesus 
<laughs> that sounds intense. Like that's <laughs> I'm good at medicine, but not 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 the other stuff. But I, it's it's fun when you get these breweries too that are like a lot of breweries will use decaf and then a lot of breweries won't. Yeah. Think, oh, so this is gonna jack me up all night. Awesome. Oh, yeah. it absolutely will. Those are the nitro brews, right? Like the nitro mm-hmm. ones. Is that is that a real thing? Well, yeah. I mean, like, if we can get a brewery to do it, I'll I'll get a, a tons of tons of pounds of coffee from black rifle coffee and we'll make it happen so mm, any any good brewery- coffee too. yeah yeah, yeah. i think they um yeah like using cold brew like you said that's that's pretty um that happens well like cold brew coffee concentrate and then just yeah dry hop with that put it in cold side you know reserve keep, keep all those like volatile like delicious coffee flavors intact the same you would with hops like use it in the cold side i'm i'm very impressed <laughs> um brie so so obviously if if we had the opportunity to spread, you know, millions and dollars, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars around to to a lot of different organizations, we certainly would. But but how do you go about choosing the organization that the proceeds of this um, this blend go to? And and how how did you how did you meet Chelsea and decide that uh, Hunter Seven was was where the proceeds are are going to go? Yeah, so kind of keeping along with the theme of our Veterans Blend program, um, once again, the breweries, the veteran-owned breweries, veteran brewers are the ones who tell us what nonprofits they are interested in and want us to help support. Um, Yeah, so every year we just do a shout out to them. Um, We have like a consistent list that we always add people on to reach out to. And we just say, hey, you guys, like, who, what, what nonprofits are you interested in helping that are, you know, obviously veteran supported. Um, and from there, we kind of do a voting system and, and provide information on, on, you know, like the top three and we, we let our brewers choose. Um, it's all in their hands. You know, we, YCH is just coordinating and making sure everything is flowing great, but this is all in the veterans hands. So, um, so Hunter Seven specifically, um, they the, their foundation has actually this foundation has been on our radar for the past couple of years. It's always been in the top three, um, and this year was the year they came out number one. And so that is how we chose them. And another thing about Hunter Seven that we really focus on when choosing a nonprofit is um, they're very grassroots and almost practically everything that gets donated to them is put back into the cause. So that's something that we're very aware of as well. We, we want to make sure we're not choosing nonprofits that, you know, are, are spreading their money out to like a CEO or something like that. We want to make sure that they are truly supporting their cause and that all the, the proceeds are going to the purpose of that nonprofit. So. No, that's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like we heard too, it is a very um, different and unique focus than what we've done in the past. Um, so that was another thing that really, um, I think kind of pushed the brewers towards choosing Hunter seven. I'm going to put you on the spot here. How much money has been raised for different nonprofit organizations since 18 when when this veterans blend started you have any idea oh, yeah oh oh 
oh, I do, Toby. I was I was ready for that. I was prepared. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So um, so far we have raised over one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars for these um, different nonprofits. And um, so I guess some insight into that is um, we are dedicated to donating three dollars per pound um, goes directly back to the nonprofit. Um, so. It's a it's a program that we're, we're just constantly building upon and every year it's getting bigger and bigger and more and more breweries are getting involved in ordering the blend as well. So it's, it's really exciting to see it grow. That's that's awesome. Yeah, very good. So, Chelsea, for for this year and hopefully we can just smash any and all, um, you know, uh, monetary um, donations this year. But how do you see the proceeds coming from this, this veterans blend campaign, if you will, supporting Hunter seven. Yeah. So, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off what uh, Brianna said as the quote unquote, I guess I, I am the executive director head honcho, but I'm not, you know, I believe in a linear democracy, um, but it's an important to me. And, and, you know, in theory, a nonprofit should be a nonprofit. And so when I see a lot of organizations taking these massive salaries, it kind of it it irritates me because as the as the executive director and, you know, I put in 60 hours a week on top of my other job, my full time job, I get paid seventy seven dollars a year, <laughs> literally seventy seven dollars. It's very humbling. Um, but in the same sense, it's like all of my needs are met. I'm very thankful for everything I have. And my husband, you know, his health, thank, thankfully, you know, knock on wood we're very comfortable in what we do with our civilian jobs. And so why not give back? That's the purpose of a nonprofit. So 95% of what comes in goes back out to the veteran community. And when I tell people, not only when you donate to this foundation, we're very transparent. Not only when you donate to this foundation, are you going to support veterans and, and cancer, you know, uh, recovery, but you're also going to support a solution. So, you know, we, we support the veterans immediate needs. We do the cancer testing, you know, we pay out of pocket, we, we cut the red tape from insurance and we bypass everything to get them the care they need. But we also look at things long-term. So for example, we just published a study uh, that's a groundbreaking study, hands down. And we actually sat with the president of the United States a month ago to talk about this study. And so we found that one in six post 9-11 active duty service members are diagnosed with cancer. One in six. And so when you have a total of 3.7 million who deployed overseas during that 20 year period and over a half a million, over 520,000 are diagnosed with cancer, there's a problem. Yeah. Wow. And so it's a big it's a big systemic, you know, it's a systemic problem. So not only do we support the immediate um, time, you know, the immediate need, but we also look at the long term duration for sustainability. And so we're very proud of that. And we're from this community. You know, we're from this community and we're for this community. So we're very approachable. We're very reachable. And and, you know, it's a grassroots organization. And so, you know, considering we didn't kick off till, you know, December 2018 and then being an ER provider getting stuck during COVID, you know, we've been very grateful in the traction that we've gained. And and this this donation is huge because not only is the, the financial piece going to support easily 100 veterans, but 
the long-term sustainability in the in the advertisement really that we're going to get from Yakima Chief and all these veteran-owned breweries will actually enable these veterans to ask their provider certain questions, you know, be be mindful of their exposures and understand those exposures. And so if we can positively impact one veteran and and hopefully identify a cancer in one veteran early on and save their life, then then our mission's complete. So there's so many different ways that this donation and this blend will be used, um, you know, in theory and in financial support. Wonderful. Very, very good. Um, and one thing I will note too, is, is we're talking about a lot about veterans blends and, and, you know, we talked about some of the, the key veteran owned breweries or, uh, veteran brewers, if you will, you know, having, having a say in the selection, but this is open and, and definitely, um, we want to get it out in the hands of every brewer, veteran or not. We, we, we certainly want everybody to have the opportunity to play around and brew with this veterans blend, but, but also remember that it is for a great cause. So um, the veterans blend is, is currently on pre-order. Thank you all very much uh, for joining us today. And we, we look forward to uh, chatting with you soon and seeing how this thing wraps up. And that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to thank our guests again, Brianna Vaughn over at Yakima Chief Hops and uh, Chelsea Simone, Hunter 7. Uh, pre-orders of the fifth annual Veterans Blend are open now until Labor Day. Again, visit the link in the episode description, or you can contact your sales rep over at uh, Country Mall Group or Yakima Chief Hops for uh, for some additional information on uh, ordering. So, um, yeah, hit them up. Yesterday, we launched a new line of dried distillers yeast uh, called Pinnacle. There's four different uh different yeasts that we're bringing to our distilling community uh, from our friends over at AB Biotech. So look out for those. Uh, we'll also be at the American Craft Spirits Association convention later this week in New Orleans. We'll have a couple of team members there. So if you're there, stop by the booth, say hello, and you can uh, discuss a little bit more about the Pinnacle Yeast and some of the other um, products we have to help you in, uh, in all your distilling endeavors. And again, we'll be back for all of our releases on Tuesdays going forward. And our next one, I'm super excited about it. The rest of the team is as well, the Tap Room Experience. So uh, we've got some good stuff in, in, in store for you for uh, the next uh, release on Tuesday. So subscribe, tune in wherever you get your podcast. Because always, we do this for you, the listeners. Wouldn't be here without you. So everybody uh, make it a fantastic week. And cheers. We'll talk to you soon.